Hey there, goal setting and getting mama in midlife. I'm so glad you are here and that you're ready to craft and create some new goals right here in this community of mamas and mimis in midlife called to fulfill our God-given purpose in this beautiful world. Hi, I'm Monica Ludicky, the voice behind the Goal Crafter podcast, founder of Shared Goals Consulting, former six-figure executive in the wellness world, wife, mom, mimi, most importantly, a lover of Jesus. I built this space for you. I come to you eager to help you, serve you, lift you up on your goal setting and getting journey. Now, let's settle in and jump into this episode of the Goal Crafter Podcast. Well, hello, 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 and welcome back to this episode of the Goal Crafter Podcast. It's been a very busy week since I last updated you on the surprise arrival of our newest grandson, Bo David. He's still in the NICU and I would appreciate any prayers that you could send up for his speedy, speedy, not really healing because he's not healing, but his speedy growth and development so that he can come home to Molly, Mama, Daddy, Norman, and all the associated grandparents, cousins, friends, and family. Speaking of family, we have goals that we set in five main areas of life. At least those are the five areas that we focus on in this podcasting community. And those are faith, family, fitness, finances, and fun. And obviously, each one of those buckets can overlap into the other. Well, for me, you know that I am exceedingly enjoying this season of my family life. And it comes at the end, so to speak, of my former life in the business world. Having said that, I do try to keep myself abreast and aware of what's going on in certain areas of business that I'm very interested in. And I do that, one, because it satisfies me intellectually and it's just something that's in my nature, but also because I truly feel an obligation or a, a calling to provide for, for my family. And we have done, I think, an excellent job of stewarding our resources through the years so that we could hit all of the goals that we set for our family from a financial perspective. And some of those goals throughout the years included having all of us complete our educations through college with no zero to little debt, and we accomplished that. We also wanted to be able to give both of our children or support both of our children through a nice wedding ceremony without going into debt. We did that. We just essentially wanted to maintain as close to a debt-free existence as possible while still enjoying a really good quality of life. And thanks be to God, we have been very fortunate through the years to accomplish those things. Well, in this season of life, of course, it can be if I allow myself to think about it too much, a little worrisome with all that is happening in in the outside, the exterior world today. 
I don't know about you, but I listen to a lot of podcasts on economics and on the global situation and our, our situation from an economic standpoint here in the U.S. I'm just very interested in that, especially in this current world we find ourselves in, this COVID world. And the people that I listen to don't all speak from the same side of the page. Some believe that we are on the brink of a major worldwide financial collapse. Others think that with this modern monetary theory, which essentially boiled down means that our government will just continue to print money to meet all of the uh, obligations and needs of our society without ever really needing to worry too much about paying it back. So there's that. And then I also listen to a lot of talking heads that dive deep into like interest rates and blah, 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 things like that. So I take all that information in and I synthesize it into what does that mean for my little family and the goals that we have and the basis upon which we have come to the point that we are at today where both Leroy and I are enjoying time and money freedom. And by that, I mean, we're both not working in the corporate world. And what does it mean for the planning that we've done thus far to be able to enjoy living an abundant life for the rest of our lives? So family and finances are inextricably entwined. And I want to talk to you today about one of the goals that I have been diligently applying myself to, and that is a financial goal. I, as I mentioned, felt an obligation to continue to provide value, and by value I mean financial value, to our family when I made the decision with my husband's support to step away from the corporate world to become a full-time Mimi. But even doing that, I knew that I would have a lot of time that I could put towards learning and trying to decipher what my next chapter, once this chapter changes or comes to a close, might look like. And so I've been extremely interested in investing. And So I keep thinking about that parable in the Bible, I believe it's in Matthew, where the master was going away on a journey and he left one of his servants with five talents, one with two and one with one. So he entrusted his property to these three individuals. And on his return, the person who had received five talents had doubled it to ten And the person who had received two had doubled those to four. And one gentleman buried his talent, one talent, single talent in the ground and returned that single talent as it was to the master. Well, of course, the master was furious with the guy who basically just sat on his money and didn't even put it in the bank. But 
to the other two, the two who doubled, doubled his money or doubled his property, he was exceedingly pleased. In fact, that is where the saying comes, to him who, ha- who does well with a little, he will do well with a lot. I'm paraphrasing, but you get the gist. So I've been thinking about that because in these very strange times we find ourselves, it has been one of our strategies to preserve our capital on the side and wait for an opportunity to come along that we could invest and start to generate returns on our capital. And of course, right now I'm referring to capital that we have in our investment accounts, our 401k. So when it comes to investing in the stock market, there are many ways to approach it and numerous ways to make money and numerous ways to lose money. Most wise people would say it's important to know your goal prior to engaging in buying, selling, or holding activities within the market, and I would agree. Uh, Just to give you a little bit of background, I have been a semi-active investor in the stock markets going back to 2007. At that time, I had my own 401k, but I really didn't have much control over the investments within it. And so I took a bit of our free cash at the time and placed it into a few stocks that I knew Warren Buffett liked. Oh yeah, I did my research on him. And I looked at the rise and the fall of them over a period of several years. So at that time, back in 2007, I didn't really have a goal for that other than I wanted it to go up. I just believed that over time, those stocks would do well and I would follow most, most advice of the times. And that was put your money into stocks and don't touch them for decades. And you know, after a time, more than a year, but maybe less than two years, I began to sell some of those stocks because I saw that they had generated more than a 20% return. And you might say, well, why does that matter? What what does 20% mean to you? Well, I had invested, like I said, in stocks that I thought Warren Buffett would have invested in, and he was invested in some of these at the time. One of them was his stock. So Visa, Burke.B, Home Depot, Verizon, Southwest Airlines, Starbucks, those were some of the kind of blue chippers that I had. I chose those because Warren said it's wise to hold stocks in companies you like or companies you use or companies you understand or companies that you would enjoy working in. And I always had a dream to work at Southwest Airlines or Starbucks. That was in the old days. Not so much anymore. <laughs> Not in these mask, masky areas that we find ourselves in now. But going back to those stocks, all of them performed to the standards I had set for them at the time. And I eventually sold out of them. When they uh, generated around a 20% return, I would take the, you know, skim, skim the profits off and leave, leave the original stock purchase in them in the market. And during that time, I read a lot of books about investing in stocks. And I read some financial newsletters written by really smart people who recommended certain stocks for certain reasons. And I really came to enjoy the idea of owning dividend stocks and participating in the DRIPS, the the dividend reinvestment programs 
that were available to me at the time through my personal training platform, which is not the one that I use today. Now, a drip is, is something, um, it just means all the dividends that are um, credited to your account are reinvested in that same stock that the dividends came from. So you continue to increase your position in the stock of that particular company. One of the um, <clears throat> authors of a newsletter I used to receive researched and recommended what he called world-dominating dividend growers. So I like that idea. I mean, don't you like the idea of a world-dominating dividend grower? So I invested in some of his recommendations at the time, and for the most part, they did really well. When the market crashed in 2008, I bought a few stocks on the dip, and I was fortunate that they also performed well, but I always stuck to stocks that I knew, like companies that I recognized, and I could understand what their overall business was about. At that time, though, I still was just tipping my toe into investing because I was really uncomfortable with the risk associated with the market. I felt like the money I had earned and that Leroy had earned to that point needed to be safely tucked away for such things as weddings and those education accounts that I mentioned. Eventually, those life events came about, and, and as I mentioned, we were positioned with plenty of risk-free cash on hand to cover those things which were our goals at the time. So fast forward to today. I find myself with another huge life event, and I I'm now retired from the business world, as I mentioned, and enjoying this season of life as a full-time Mimi. And for the record, nothing can even compare to this period of time. I just can't. As a person who sets goals and plans for the future, I was pretty well prepared financially for today. I understood the importance of passive income streams from years of study and uh, we had put in place multiple streams of passive income for our family to happily enjoy this time in our lives, and we have been doing just that. But as it happens, life has thrown me a bit of a curveball recently, and really the biggest source of passive income that we have in place is going to gradually uh, fade away over the next um, few months or so. So what I have done is I have taken that situation and I have let it crystallize my investing strategy going forward. Now, I should stop here and put in some, some kind of disclaimer to say, I'm simply telling my story, my um, background story on my financial goal for our family to entertain you, not to give you specific advice I'm not recommending that you uh, invest in any of these stocks or follow any of the strategies that I employ. I'm simply talking about them to educate and entertain you somewhat. I hope you find it entertaining. <laughs> I don't know if you do or not, but I hope you do. Okay, so what I am working on doing is matching and exceeding the passive income stream that is going to disappear in the next few months through a very low risk but high return activity. And one such activity that checks off that box for me is investing, or uh, it would be better to say trading options. 
Now, my first option trade was fulfilled maybe eight years ago, and it was on a American Airlines stock. And up until that time, I had not understood options trading at all, and I felt very ill-equipped to place such trades. But one day in a business meeting, a, a, a guy who we were meeting with explained his personal strategy, which I quickly adopted, and he explained it in such a simple way. He said that he liked to get companies at a discount. And so the way he did that was he sold put options on companies that he would really love to own. A put option is an option that if exercised causes the seller to buy the stock at the strike price of the put option. But while you're waiting for the expiration date to arrive, you as the seller of the put option get a premium, you get money, you get cash deposited into your brokerage account and that cash is yours to keep no matter what else happens. So just to explain, one option is for 100 shares of a stock. So if you sell one put option at 10 cents, you would gain $10 on the sale because 100 shares of stock times 10 cents is $10. So for that $10 premium that would go into your account and be yours forever, you take on the risk of buying 100 shares of stock on the expiration date of the option if it closes at the strike price of your option. So if in this case, the stock closed at whatever the, the um, strike price was, and the strike price is simply the price of the stock when the bell dings, the final bell dings on the expiration date. So it, even as I'm saying it, I'm reconfusing myself. So I'm probably confusing you. So it, it'd re be really good if when you're listening to this episode, you take notes. So until I made numerous trades, I continued to be confused. In that American Airlines case, I sold one option, just one, <laughs> and it wasn't for, for much more than 10 bucks. Uh, I don't remember the exact amount, but I sold one option and then I watched the markets for the next month. Some days the price was up and some days the price was down, but I wanted it to expire uh, without me having to buy the American Airlines stock. And I realize that sounds counter to what I just said, but I really just wanted to, at that point, I wanted to take the lowest, lowest risk possible uh, to see if I could make the trade happen where money went into my account, but I didn't actually have to expend any money. And sure enough, we got to the the end of the month, the trade, uh, the option expired, and I got to keep the premium, whatever it was, it was a very tiny amount, and I did not have to actually buy that stock. Although, it would have been at a good price. I had decided that already. I just didn't I wasn't really prepared on my first one uh, to be put, okay? And what that means is if you're put, you have to purchase a stock at the option price. And in those instances that I have been put, I have usually lost financial value in the stock at that moment in time. So let me explain. So how that happens is the price I had to purchase the stock at was more than the price of the stock on the market. So a stock might be trading for $8, but if my option strike price was 10, 
I'm on the hook for the 10. So I lose, you know, in that case, $2 right as I, you know, close that trade. But overall, when I use this strategy of selling put options, I'm usually betting the stock will go up in value. And I use that term betting loosely. I have all kind of charts and uh, lots of research that I do on technicals and fundamentals to underscore the trades that I do. But I usually am counting on the stock going up in value if I'm selling a put option. Because again, I would like to collect that income, the premium for the option without actually having to lay out more cash. And having said that, I still only deploy this strategy on stocks that I think would be good to have in our portfolio over a longer period of time. So even if I end up purchasing the stock, it's always at a lower price than it was on the day I sold the option for it. So think about that. If, and I don't, but let's just say I wanted to buy Tesla and you'd have to be completely disinterested in the stock market to have been witness to what's happening with Tesla these days. But a few weeks ago, I believe it was trading at $800 per share. Well, this morning it was trading at 657 or something like that. So it's a hundred and let's say $150 off the price that it was a few weeks ago. I might, if I had enough money to cover it, I might place an, a sell an option, sell a put option to pick up Tesla at $500 a share. So it's 657 today. And I might think to myself, hmm, I don't mind paying $500 for $5 worth of profit. I don't believe that, but I'm just using this for an example. So I might sell a put option today with the stock being at $650, but my put option that I'm getting collecting a premium for is for 500. So when the option expires, if by some chance Tesla is selling at $500 or even 450, I would still be getting that stock in our portfolio at a much lower cost than it would be if I purchased it outright today. Does that make sense? Options are tricky. It's not, it's not intuitive. Even when you place your first order, it's weird to, to think that you're selling something to open. I was like, I had to check my little strategy book multiple, multiple times. And then my finger kind of hovered over my keyboard before I actually uh, executed the order because I just still wasn't sure I had gotten this right. You're you're selling to open a position. It seems like you would be selling to close and you do sell to close. um, If you've bought to open, be really good to get a book on options. Don't you think? Anyway, I don't like to expose myself or our family to undue risk. So I don't place option trades in which the underlying purchase of the stock would be more than the funds available in my trading account. I'm just not interested in borrowing money to uh, trade options. That is something that certain people can qualify to do, and we probably could qualify to do it. I just don't want to do that, so I'm not doing that. Um, The problem with that is it limits the speed at which this particular strategy can compound. And compounding is very important in the world of building wealth. Go back to that parable. The master took his servant to task and was extremely upset with him because he didn't even put the talent that he had given him, the property that he had given him, the money, 
into the bank to collect interest. At least had he put that into the bank, it could have benefited from the effect of compounding interest. Now at today's rates, not so much. Perhaps they had a better interest rate going back in the days of Jesus and Matthew. I want to say again, I am the furthest thing from an expert in the stock market and in investing in general, but I am sharing this strategy with you that I've been employing just because it's a tactic that I am using to move me closer to the goal of maintaining our financial independence by replacing the passive income stream, which is going to be going away. Does that make sense? Also have another strategy. Uh, it, it does not, it's the opposite of selling put options and it's selling call options. So to do this, I might own a hundred shares of a stock that I want to kind of cherry pick how much I'd be willing to sell the stock with. So if I have a stock and it's the cost to purchase it is a, a hundred bucks per share and I'd be willing to sell it for $120 per share, I can potentially find a call option and sell a call option on the shares I own for that price. So the fun thing about this is you get to lock in a gain that you would be happy and comfortable with on stocks that you own. And at the same time, you get to collect uh, an insurance premium uh, in the interim. So this is called selling a covered call option. And it just covered just means you own the stocks that you're selling the option on. And again, this would be a hundred share in a hundred share increments. So every one option uh, relates back to 100 shares of stock that you own. So I repeat this strategy and the put option strategy as many times in a month's period of time to hit the goal that I have set for ourselves. And so far, I've been doing this and tracking it in a trade journal for a few months now. And for a few months, I was way over the goal. And then this month, with all of the upheaval, I guess you would say, in the, in the schedules that we've had, it's balancing out over the last few months to where I'm hitting the goals that we have set. So I'm so excited about that. Because what this means is that regardless of whether or not the stock market is going up or going down or staying neutral, there is still a way to legally and ethically and consistently generate streams of income based upon the underlying collateral that we have in our trading accounts. And that, my friends, is a blessing. So I give thanks to the Almighty that he has placed this opportunity in my path and that he has helped open my eyes to it so that I can be like the servant who received five talents and presented them to the master upon his return as 10. I want to be a good steward. And this is one way that I feel like I can accomplish that specific goal. So I hope you have found this somewhat interesting today. I know there's a lot of words and a lot of talk of strategies, specific strategies. And again, 
This is just something intended to educate you and open up your mind to the possibilities uh, that are out there for you if you're willing to do your own research and your own study and take a little bit of calculated risk once you have been able to put your foundation, your financial foundation in place. I intend to, I'm watching a green gecko walk across my window right now. Very interesting. Sorry, I digress. I intend to give you updates. I don't know that I will always be able to consistently generate the types of numbers that I've been able to do over the past few months, but I am committed to spending more time on this podcast, bringing you actual examples of some of the goals that I am setting with and for my family so that it can hopefully inspire you or open your mind up to some things that you can do with your family and your loved ones. So on that note, I just want to say that I hope and pray that you are having a splendid day and I pray that the Lord blesses you and opens your eyes to all of the abundant opportunities that exist in the world you're walking in in the same way that he's doing in mine. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now go out and get your goals. Did you enjoy this episode of the Goal Crafter Podcast? Or do you know a midlife mama who needs a boost on her goal setting and getting journey? Well, take a screenshot today and share this with her and with your community. And don't forget, I really appreciate it when you take time to give me a review. Want even more? You can find me at sharedgoalsconsulting.com where I frequently add free resources to serve my fellow goal setters and even post up a few of my favorite photos of my munchkins. That's it for today, mamas and mimis. Be blessed.